You create your life with the stories you tell yourself. Want more fun, love, and money? Then write your new story and live into it. Louis DiBianco's podcast, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, shows you how to discover your empowering story. You'll meet many successful people who have created magnificent lives, even when the odds were stacked against them. Plus, you'll learn the secrets of great storytelling that can explode your business. And now, here is your host, Louis DiBianco. Which would you rather be, an A, B, or C student? It seems like a dumb question, right? Everyone wants to be an A student. If you buy into society's story. Robert Kiyosaki wrote a mind-changing book called Why A Students Work for C Students and B Students Work for the Government. Hey, there's nothing wrong with good grades, but there's a lot wrong with judging people based on grades or any other kind of conformity. Hello, storytellers, and welcome to another episode of Change Your Story, Change Your Life. I believe, as you know, that readers are leaders. That's why I've chosen Audible as our sponsor. They're offering you, the listeners of this show, a downloadable, free audiobook of your choice. You get to choose from more than 180,000 titles. Simply go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. I love getting comments from the listeners, from you, the storytellers. Different opinions, different takeaways, different moments of inspiration. Keep those ideas coming and also your comments about what you'd like to see in this show going forward. Send them to loseclub at gmail.com. That's L-O-U-S-C-L-U-B at gmail.com. And if you're a regular listener, you're obviously getting some value from this show. Let other people know about that and increase the visibility of the show. Pay it forward by paying a visit to iTunes and leaving a brief review sharing your takeaways, and at the same time, give us a five-star rating, and thank you in advance for doing that. Today's guest is a millennial woman who became a millionaire at age 30 after she stopped living into negative stories about her brains, talent, and capabilities. Today, she's an author, a CEO of her own seven-figure company, a podcast host, and a creator of online training programs. Her book, The No-Nonsense Guide to Avoiding Scams and Generating Real Income from Anywhere, Even If You're Starting from Scratch, is helping people like me and you to achieve success and freedom on our own terms. She's real, she's bold, and in her own words, she may sometimes ruffle your feathers. But if you listen to her with an open mind, you will gain a lot from this interview. So get ready for some high energy learning from Caitlin Pyle. Caitlin, welcome to Change Your Story, Change Your Life. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you as a guest. Um, I could see from your profile that you're smart and you're a lot of fun. I am. You are correct on that. <laughs> Good. And I'm glad that you own it. You know, sometimes you give people a compliment and they go, oh, well, and, and they kind of try to play it down. But I say, own your stuff and you're doing it. That's great. Did you have a childhood dream of who you wanted to be when you grew up? Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to be the woman in Proverbs 31, and I am not a Christian. I am a Bible-believing person, which I just, in recent times, you know, that story changed big time for me um, in realizing that the Christian God and, like, who Christ actually was, according to the Bible, are not the same thing. And so I've had this incredible awakening, I call it a real-life renaissance, where I realized that the woman I always wanted to become but thought I couldn't become in Proverbs 31, I became her when I turned 31. Like, it's just such a cool story to see how God 
has redeemed that, like the real, the real God. I'm not talking about like the judge, the rules, the stuff that, you know, we're all afraid of. Uh, and it's just been incredible. That's the, that's the person I wanted to be was the woman in Proverbs 31. Well, the, my curiosity is just at its peak. Tell me about the woman in Proverbs 31. Yeah, actually, if you don't mind, I will pull it up because it, I've got it. <laughs> I've got it bookmarked. I read from the Passion Translation, which is one of the most recent translations of the Bible. And she's described as the radiant bride. And it says, who could ever find a wife like this one? She is a woman of strength and mighty valor. She's full of wealth and wisdom. Her husband has entrusted his heart to her. All through her life, she brings him what's good and not evil. She brings him the rich spoils of victory. She searches out continually to possess that which is pure and righteous, and she delights in the work of her hands. She gives out truth to feed others. She is a trading ship bringing divine supplies from the merchant. Even in the night, she arises and sets food on the table for hungry people in her house and for others. She sets her heart upon a nation and takes that as her own, carrying it within her. She labors there to plant the living vines. She wraps herself in strength, might, and power in all her works. And it actually goes on for quite a bit longer. It's a very long and it's very descriptive. And I own it. I, I, I've been through the voyage of the Don Treader, literally. If you're familiar with the Chronicles of Narnia, the last movie came out 10 years ago. And just this morning, Lewis, I read on Facebook Live my journal from 2008, literally 10 years ago, almost to the day, uh, where I was praying for love and went through the whole journey again with myself and, and realizing that I now have exactly what I prayed for 10 years ago, even though the man I'm in love with is, you know, ignoring me right now. And the man that I'm currently married to is now my, my brother and best friend. Um, the way that, you know, God, I always wanted, I wanted a best, I wanted a brother before I wanted a, a husband. And so that's who God sent me first. When I, when I asked for that, when I was a little kid, I'm like, I want a little brother. I want a, I want a big brother is what I said. And Ben, of course, he's 35 and I'm 31. And and he sent me, he sent me a big brother who is the exact opposite. Even, even their Zodiac signs are the exact opposite. Uh, And so it's just a a matter of time at the moment, because in so many ways, the, the things that I spoke into the universe are the things that I actually spoke to God. And, and they are, becoming real in my life. And, and Lewis, I'm not a religious person. I've thrown religion away because religion is the lies that we tell ourselves about who we need to be for love to accept us. And, and they're just not true. I totally agree. I was brought up as a, a Catholic in a, um, a very negative um, environment uh, of Catholicism. And mm-hmm. what I've discovered is there's religion and there's spirituality. Spirituality is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Religion, when you're talking in terms of dogma, that's dangerous. Yes, it is. That's why they call it dogma. And I believe that the number 666 is just a three-headed dog. That's why we say a triple dog dare you to do something scared. 666 is V's in its fear. We either act out of fear or we act out of love. And most people in the world, including all the marketers that are, a lot of them listen to this podcast. I used to be one of those marketers are just trying to figure out, you know, when to feed the hungry people at what time in my funnel should I give them the thing that's going to make them want to give me money, right? No, the time to feed hungry people is always now. It's always been now. And if we're concentrating too much on creating lead magnets, yeah, we're going to get leads. But if we concentrate on making leaders and making ourselves leaders, then we become a magnet. Beautiful. I love that. When you believed in being an employee, what kind of work did you choose to do? Oh, man, I hated it so much. And I look back, I'm looking back at all my journals from all through school, and I'm seeing all the ways that I try to fit myself into the box, but also declare to the world that I hated the box. Like every single job I had, I was rude to the manager. Not rude, but I did things my way, and I got in trouble for it. And every single job that I had, every single job, and I loved it. <laughs> I loved it because I'm like, you are so not who you say you are. Like, you are a liar. You say you care about me, but you don't. You're just here to get a paycheck just like everybody else. And I saw right through it. I've seen right through it the entire time. But what kept me from from doing what I actually wanted to do were all the people at my church telling me that I should bloom where I was planted and accept, you know, the, the law and the government that God has put in place. And the reality is, like, the government put itself in place. God didn't put it there. God let it happen. It's all in prophecy. Um, but it is not the rules by which I'm going to live my life. And I, I determined that guilt is simply the feeling you get when something is not right and you're trying to put your life into someone else's box by someone else's rules. And that's what guilt is. And shame is that terrible feeling of anxiety you have because you're still feeling bad about something that you didn't want to do in the first place, 
uh, but you felt like you had to do, or you did and you felt bad about it. You did the good thing. Like, uh, I don't know. You just made a mistake. You lived your life. You, you went after your truth, but because it didn't fit with somebody else's version of truth that was more true than yours, then you feel guilty about it. And I have released all of that and just the last six months you know it's been it's been an incredible journey but in reading my journal from 10 years ago I realized hey like this was not sudden I prayed for this exact stuff it was a book of prayers that I read on my Facebook live this morning and it's on YouTube now on the holy shit show I just completed the whole season of my show the holy shit show and that was the last that was the season finale I felt like you know I've got to read the thing I got to read who I was 10 years ago, and I didn't know that that's what I was going to read because I made the commitment to not read my journals before I read them on live because they would be more authentic that way, and that's exactly what happened. Like Everything I even prayed about last night, I realized I'd prayed about, and, and I received uh, I received in 10 years after I prayed for it. It was incredible. Beautiful, beautiful. By the way, uh, you triggered something for me. You're talking about guilt. I want to share this with you. This is a brilliant quote from... Uh, Dan Sullivan, you know who Dan Sullivan is? I have heard Dan Sullivan. He's in, he's in the marketing world, right? Well, he's um, he's at the top on the top of the top. He's uh, <laughs> look up strategic coach. He runs strategic coach, but in one of his books on procrastination, he has this marvelous point of view. Which is just when you think about this, meditate on this one. Self forgiveness begins. When you give up wishing that your past was better. Yes. Yes. Your past was exactly the way it should have been. That's exactly. That's exactly it. So I loved your passionate answer. But one, just tell me one kind of work that you did when you were in the employee mindset that you, you found out you didn't fit into what one, just one. Oh, man, uh, just trying to fit into their boxes. So the thing that comes to mind immediately is that I was hired for marketing and they wanted me to do sales and they didn't understand the difference. They told me it was the same thing and I just let them bully me into doing things that I wasn't hired to do. And because they were older than me and quote unquote more experienced, even though like they hired me to do things they couldn't and I just let myself get bullied. And I think that happens a lot. And when I, when I got fired, you know, I sat in a room with people that were three people that were old enough to be my mother, the upper management. And they were, they were telling me that I was a piece of trash and that I, and the manager who was literally the same age as my mom told me that I would die alone. And and then another manager said I shouldn't have children because I had no morals. And then three years later that I see this woman's mugshot online because she stole uh, $30,000 from a real estate company that she was working for. And I had no morals. Like every, nothing was adding up to me working there and nothing added up to me when I was attending church as a child and struggling with it all through my twenties, like trying to fit into this box. And I realized that Christ and Christianity are not the same thing. You know, uh, what you were describing that work situation, you were describing pure toxicity. Yeah. And so, you know, you were smart to sense it and eventually grow away from it. Um, you kind of answered the next question. I said, well, describe the job and conditions that burnt you out in 2011. I think you did, unless you wanted to add a few things to it. Oh, I mean, it was just the fact that I was spending the best days or the best hours and the best days of my week, which all of the hours and days of my week are the best, right? I was spending most of my time doing something I hated, and that was really weighing on me, and that was in my journal that I read this morning, which I actually gave to my my ex-husband, now, you know, big brother, right? I gave it to him because I was like, just read this, and I thought I was writing it for you, but you know who I was writing it for, and and it's really cool how we're all connected now, Uh, but just writing about how frustrated I was feeling like I had this, I had this anxiety and, and this discomfort in my entire body is what I wrote in thinking that I was going to be at this job forever. And I almost had kids with my brother, uh, you know, my spiritual brother, I almost had kids with him just so I could leave that job. And that was one, one thing that, that God definitely helped me dig my heels in about was no do not have kids with your brother like and so I thought for years that I didn't want kids because but the reality was like I didn't want to have kids with Ben and and now and I I know who my real love is and and I'm not revealing his name because he doesn't feel comfortable with that yet (laughs) so out of respect for him um you know I know that I want to have kids with him and so it's like just how God redeems you when you ask and it's all in his timing and then I was spending the last three years I threw away all my bibles three years ago and I finally like downloaded it 
to this day, I, I don't have a Bible. I actually have some books of the Passion Translation that I bought, but I haven't even opened them because everything's on my phone. And so, like, I've been reading the Bible like crazy, reading all the non-commodity scriptures, the lost gospel, and, you know, the gospel of Jesus' wife, like, all this stuff. And I'm like, whoa, like, everything has been kept from us, and we literally have put God in a box because, you know, one guy in 180 AD declared all these non uh, new or Old Testament scriptures to be heresy and everyone believed him like nobody questioned the dude and, and like the very definition of blasphemy in the Bible is like somebody that says they're God and that says they have the power to forgive sins well what has the Catholic Church been doing since the dawn of the Catholic Church but that right they're the very definition of blasphemy I get the feeling that you're not concerned about what people think of you especially if you express opinions and ideas that might upset them, that might threaten them. Am I right about that? Uh, you know, that's a really interesting question. I'm glad you asked that question because I showed up and I was like, I just want to speak the truth. My intention now is to just speak the truth. And I believe that if you speak the truth and there's nothing bad that can happen to you. And so whatever is going to happen as a, to my business as a result of me speaking the truth as it comes to me in real time, I literally stream my thought consciousness. I don't think about what I'm going to say before I say it. And that's not me having uh, a censor uh, or having no censor. It is having me no censor. And it's also me like refusing to have Instagram filters on the truth. You know, I'm not trying to make people feel good. I'm trying to tell people the truth, which is something that I've committed to. And I feel like as marketers, we can, and you can totally keep this in. Uh, I feel like as marketers, we are, we're, we're, we're wondering like what our people want and we're trying to analyze data to figure out what they want and we're assuming what they want based on that data but we could just be asking them what they want instead of analyzing them as numbers and and my philosophy uh, and, it, and it all fits together you know just telling the truth like hey I actually don't know what you guys want can you tell me what you want and then talking to your tribe talking to the people you know telling your story and so I tell the most raw version of my story um, as an encouragement to others that you cannot lose by giving more and that people want to work with other people. Uh, and so if you're telling your story uh, and if people reject that story because of it, because you're being true, then all that is is bringing up, uh, if people get mad because somebody else is telling their true story then it, and it brings up shit for them, <laughs> then that doesn't reflect anything on you. That's what the truth is supposed to do. It's supposed to shine light on on the lies and the darkness. And so the people who are upset about me saying, hey, this person, you know, I got fired because of such and such, and they said such and such. And, you know, if somebody who says, well, that's because you did something wrong, and it's supposed to, you're supposed to, you know, have a shitty life if somebody does something wrong to you. I don't believe that. Uh, I'm not going to try to fit my life into the perspective of somebody who's not living it, if that makes sense. Yes, I respect what you say. And uh, that's cool. I mean, because... Um, we do need more authenticity in the world, and you're certainly being authentic. 100%. And it, and it ruffles so many feathers, Lewis. I mean, take one look at my Facebook page, which I've sworn off of for the next three weeks and two days after recording the season finale of my show this morning. And people are mad. They're like, you have to stop. You're blaspheming. I'm like, look up the definition, bla definition of blasphemy. I am not. <laughs> and so they don't even... No, they say, I know, anyway, like, this is off the topic, but uh, next question. <laughs> cool. I want to get, yeah, what's, what's interesting to me in terms of a person being able to change their story, when you got fired, I mean, now you worked your way to success and a high self-esteem, but what was your self-talk as soon as you got fired? Oh, man, I thought I was the scum of the earth. I'm like, I, I went through a, a uh, three weeks of straight depression. There was three weeks between when I got fired and when I started at personal training school. Uh, for it's a four month program that I went to. It was a live in person, all day, every day, eating, sleeping, dreaming, breathing, personal training because that's what I wanted to be as a, as a physical body trainer. I never knew I would become a spiritual uh, mentor at all. Um, and I, I felt like I was a scum in the earth. You know, I had just gotten married to my brother Ben, uh, who's still you know very much in my life and involved in my life. And, and I was like, what if they're right? What if I am a whitewashed tomb? What if I am all those things they told me I was? Because I have emails, too. I have a lot of stuff in writing. It wasn't just things I was remembering. And I just uh, I came apart, and I, and I tried to tell them the truth. I was like, y'all, I was just scared. And that's exactly why I did what I did. I was scared, and I really believed it. So, oh, yeah, so what was some of do you remember some of the language that came up in your head when you were putting yourself down, when you were doubting yourself? Oh, you know, just that they were right, that I was a terrible person, that I was, you know, garbage, and 
that, um, you know, everybody sees that. And so I had this terrible imposter syndrome for, for years up until really six months ago that at any moment somebody was going to find me out for the fraud that I really was because, you know, my boss at the time, she figured me out and she saw the real me. And, and the reality is, you know, we are all like that. But That's <laughs> like right. the people, the people that say that we're not, that they're not, and they point fingers and they judge and they try to be God on earth, like, and be the judge. And they're just trying to make themselves feel better because they are the same. We're all the same. Exactly. And um, storytellers listening to this, Hear this, really hear this, because if it's the only thing you take from this, it can change your life. That everyone experiences what we call um, imposter syndrome. Everyone experiences it. It's it's just part of the growth process, except for those who get stuck in it, then they're going to live into that truth. They're going to make it true, but just forge through it because the real you is great. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. You know? And we, we don't need to be reading books on how to create stories. We already have stories and we just need to be brave enough to tell them because, and that's really the Me Too movement we should be having is not us all like women sitting in a group, you know, feeling sorry for ourselves. We need to be having conversations with each other about these things and supporting each other and also talking to men about it because I don't want to demonize men at all. I mean, uh, but I think that that dividing is is wrong. You know, to putting men and women on opposite sides of the tracks. You know, we need to be next to each other, supporting each other. And yeah, there, there's a lot that's been hidden from us in in that respect by the you know God on earth, the church uh, <laughs> too. Uh, but that's a topic for another story. It's great to look into, though. You know, what kind of scriptures and stuff were kept out of. But holiness Kay- according Caitlin, to the church, you know. Caitlin, I don't think it's just religion. I think that there's a lot in society. Oh, yeah. There, there are Social. stories. There are stories that people are buying into. It's it's coming at them from the media. It's coming at them from uh, friends and family, etc., uh, from other authority figures, and people need to really filter that stuff out unless they're happy, you know, feeling lousy. Now, how did you begin to change your negative self-talk and what did it eventually become? Because you said it was only six months ago that you really started to come into your own. Well, I think that's when I started to wake up because I looked at the last 10 years and I was reading my journal this morning. And I was like, I was awake. Like I was totally tuned in to who I was and I was begging for what I wanted to to the the real essence of, of, of where I could get that. And I believe in the law of attraction. I don't believe that I don't believe in religion and all that. And so I look back on that this morning and I'm like, whoa, this has not been and just last in the six months thing. And I actually uh, <laughs> got out of the mental hospital less than actually two weeks ago today. I was getting out of a mental hospital in Austin, Texas that my husband, Ben, uh, put me in because he thought I was crazy. And so I became the source of his fear. And I, I do believe, Louis, that all human action comes from a place of either fear or love. And fear poses as love all the time. And so, like, all these people that are telling me that Ben, instead of asking me any questions, he assumed and then, you know, kidnapped me, flew to Austin with three of my friends, kidnapped me, threw me in the mental hospital, left me there for four days. He said he did it out of love. He did not. He did it out of fear. And when he came over to apologize on Saturday, uh, that was out of love, you know, that was out of humility, right? It was out of a place of, oh, my gosh, like, I betrayed her, but in this, in this grand, you know, divine conspiracy, I think we're all a part of, uh, Ben needed to do that. He needed to realize how much fear was controlling him. And, and that's my, that was my whole intention, I think, of, of what had happened. And it was God's intention, I believe, is becoming the source of fear for the people that I love most to show them just how much they're controlled by it. And I mean, I even had somebody I just hired who calls himself a Christian leave because, you know, she just doesn't think that this amount of authenticity, mixing business with your personal life, right, uh, is appropriate. And there's no way that it'll be good in the long run. And so, you know, she says she's not afraid, but she wants three months severance. And so if you're not afraid, yet you're taking three months of pay and running, are you like, how does that not make you a liar, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So what are the lies of education that keep people enslaved to work and to lives that they hate? 
Oh my gosh, thinking that somebody else is in control of your income because like, education is like the original information product. Museums are the infor original information product. People don't realize that everything in the world has been uploaded to the cloud. It's called the internet, right? The internet is literally the digital version of the universe. All the knowledge in the world is online. And so they think they need to go to a building, just like like <laughs> you have to go to a building to worship God. Uh, no, you don't have to go to a building or even an online school to learn stuff. We don't, we don't trust ourselves and our own innate God-given ability to use what's between our ears. We believe that wealth exists outside of us. Wealth ex exists between our ears. And if we are in control and completely know, love, and respect, and trust what's between our ears, then everything changes because that's where the real power is. The power does not exist outside of you. The power is you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. So what do you say to someone who just doesn't believe that they can succeed without an employer? <laughs> uh, ask them why they believe that, why they believe that they need someone else to give them a paycheck, why they believe that's secure, because I believe the real job security comes from learning skills and being able to solve problems, going back to the root of servanthood, really loving people. And I think that's a big mistake people make is that they don't understand the golden rule, loving others as you love yourself. They just focus on the loving others part and they got to fake it till they make it because they're don't, they don't love themselves first. And it says, love your neighbor as yourself, right? If you don't know how to love yourself, how can you expect to know how to love your neighbor properly? That's why we get into, you know, analyzing data and measuring so it gets managed and, Instead of asking questions and starting conversations with actual people, we're reducing them down to numbers. And I think it's adulteration of, of love, really. I mean, that's the, really the ultimate business transaction is love for love, right? Money is just, they say it's backed by trust, but nobody trusts each other. Like, it's so ironic. It's bullshit, really. So I would just ask them why. Uh, why they think somebody else is responsible for what happens in their life because by handing over the income, like handing over the pen to write the income story to somebody else, <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. And that doesn't mean that we don't need people to work at McDonald's. We don't need people to work at McDonald's. Yeah, I said it. Uh, we don't even need teachers in schools anymore, but it's just a delusion that we think we need other people to do the work uh, of just putting new stuff in our brains in this day and age, in this digital age. I agree. Remember how I started? I mentioned Robert Kiyosaki's book, Why mm -hmm. A Students Work for C Students. And, you know, um, I like something you said about uh, that it's really about learning skills and bringing value to people. That's how you create your own economy, basically. And there's a book, I don't know if you know it, but I think you'll love it, by a very authentic guy named Steve Sims. Does that name ring a bell? It doesn't, but I think I know where you're going with this. Ironically, I was valedictorian and I, in high school, and I also got only two Bs in college. One of them was in communic a communication class, and the other one was in self-defense. Like, it's so funny, but I, A students work for me, but nobody's seen me for who I was for my entire life, and so I'm totally used to that, that perception of, oh, she's just a rich girl. She's just a smart girl. Like being underestimated has literally been the story of my life. So I'm excited to hear what, what we have to say about him. Uh, well, I, I would recommend the book. You'll love it. It's, yeah. called, it's called Blue Fishing. Oh, that sounds perfect for me. <laughs> I already love the name. Blue Fishing. You'll love the book. You really, this guy is, he is the real deal to the nth degree. Um, I mean, this is a guy who is super successful and wealthy, and he came from nothing. I mean, uh, basically from England, really lower class. And to this day, when he works with people who are multimillionaires and billionaires, he shows up for business meetings with his beard and his earrings and his motorcycle and his black t-shirt and he looks like a threatening biker and yeah that's basically what i look like to the rest of the world <laughs> you know but, but he's he's anything but that anyway mm -hmm. blue fishing i recommend that also to all the storytellers who are listening today now how can a person develop this belief that they don't 
or get over the belief that they don't have any marketable value? Well, know that everybody feels that way is, is good. It's a good place to start. And we just don't realize what's staring us in the face when, when we don't realize what value we have because it's so natural to us. And that's the way it's supposed to feel is natural to us. And so you're actually feeling the exact right way you're supposed to feel if you feel like you have no value. So you just got to look a little bit deeper. What's in front of your nose? For me, that was my prowess for finding inaccuracies, finding errors in text. And I've moved on to being a debater so I can I can debate like nobody's business. And, and, and that's another story I can tell you at another time. But I have always been great at finding inaccuracies in, in, in words. And so I didn't realize that that was a valuable tool. And I so I started my blog in less than four years ago, coming up on the four-year anniversary on November 1st. Uh, 2018 and it's called proofread anywhere and I was like yeah we'll see how long this lasts because I had like a track record of starting and, and not finishing like a ton of stuff and then within six months it had generated like 106 or 150 thousand dollars in revenue and within 15 months had done a million and we're at about five million dollars in less than four years now and so like that's just a prime example of like that nerdy thing you do that you didn't you don't think anybody's going to give a shit about they do and you did that with uh you started that with proofreading. Yeah, proofreadanywhere.com is my first blog. Fantastic. That's just wonderful. So how can people avoid the work-at-home scams and generate real income from anywhere, even if they're starting from scratch? Well, if it doesn't come from the mindset of solving a problem to actually be of value to someone, and if it's promising you that, hey, you're just going to get money, or this is free money, or you don't have to do anything to earn this money, then it's not earning money. Like you're not actually giving value. And so why should you expect to be paid? So it all comes down to how you think about it, thinking, Hey, why, why, why do I think I deserve to get something for nothing? You know, that's the only thing we get is God's love for nothing. Right. (laughs) Um, But everything else is on earth and and we have to earn it and and we have to give if we want to receive, we don't get the fruits of the spirit unless we give the gifts of the spirit. I actually asked somebody that the other day. I'm like, what are, the gifts of the spirit. And she named all 12 of the spiritual uh, or the, the fruits of the spirit. And I said, no, I said, I want the gifts. Right. And so it just kind of proved that most people are very aware of the fruit and that's what they want, but they are not aware of the gifts, which is what you have to give in order to receive the fruit. Hmm. Great answer. Now, what are the five big mistakes that work at home newbies make? Oh, man, I know that you're pulling this from like my book. And I don't remember, I'll be honest, but I'll tell you what I think the biggest mistakes are. And that's thinking that it's all about you. And I'd say that's the number one mistake is that people think making money is all about them, because they're looking on the inside, and they're looking at their needs. And that really stems into, you know, four or 500 other reasons of big mistakes that people make, but it all comes down to the fear of you not having enough money. And when they say that, Uh, love of money is the root of all evil they really mean greed and people think that people who have a lot of money are the greedy ones but the reality is everybody who thinks they don't have enough and that makes all their actions based on their fear of not having enough money that is greed and so thinking only about themselves it's a it's blinding and so you are so focused on solving your own problem of needing more money or needing to pay off this debt or provide for your family or whatever that you don't even see the other people around you that also have needs and have problems and not realizing that problems are just untranslated opportunities. Like it's all perspective. So if you see all these problems in the world and you don't, because somebody told me like, it's not that I have fear, Caitlin, it's I have a lack of opportunity. I'm like, no, we have a terrible perspective because you don't see that all the problems in the world are opportunity. And so just that mindset of, and I'll call it just flipping very simple switches in your mind to realizing, Hey, as long as there are problems in the world, as long as there are people with problems in the world, there's opportunity for me to solve my own problems by solving theirs. And exactly, it's exactly, you don't get any of the fruit unless you give the gift. <laughs> so you were talking, right, so that, that comes under making it all about you and having that lack mindset. Are there any other mistakes that they make? I think they all stem from that mistake and they, and they are dressed in different types of clothing, but they all come down to that, right? And and fear is a, is a sneaky little fox, right? It's the sneakiest little fox. And I, and I do believe that fear and evil are the same thing and that everything we label as a sin is stemmed from fear, even the seven deadly sins. Like lust is, is, is from a place of, hey, I'm not going to find, you know, the woman or the man of my dream. So I'm just going to, you know, sleep with everybody. And then sloth is 
is based on, well, I'm just afraid that what I do isn't going to make a difference anyway, so I might as well not do anything. Uh, greed, we already talked about that. Um, you know, gluttony, like I'm afraid I'm not going to have enough food because of some stories or I didn't have enough food when I was a kid, like all kinds of different things. And they all, all sin stem from fear. Um, and all faith stems from love. And so just making that simple switch away from, hey, is fear guiding my actions or is faith guiding my actions? Which thing? Because like, fear is not real, right? But neither is like fear. You can't see it. And it's really not real. Faith you can't see, but it is real. Like the facts, the truth, the love and the stories that you have being valuable. That is what is true. Wonderful. How would you help somebody conquer the fear that they don't have enough time to start a successful business of their own. Let's say you were coaching them. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, well, the time is going to pass anyway. And if you'd like to spend that time looking for reasons why you can't start a business, that's great. But uh, where are you going to be in five years if you continue doing that exactly where you are right now? So why don't you spend that next five years looking for ways that you can do the things, looking for answers from people who have done it instead of spending time talking to people who haven't, right? That's the first thing people do is they talk to people closest to them who don't, who haven't done the thing they want to become, who aren't, you know, the president of the United States, like <laughs> who, who will tell them, no, you can't start a business because they started a business and failed a business. Why are you listening to those people? You need to go and surround yourself, listen to podcasts like Lewis's, listen to podcasts like mine, listen to people, listen to stories from people who have actually done the thing that you wanted to do. You have to seek them out because if you're waiting for them to come to you, like you're not waving any flags, you're not sending out any energy into the universe saying that this is what you want. Uh, all you're doing is focusing your energy on the people that don't believe what, what you want to do is even possible because it's not their dream, right? So you have a dream for a reason. It's in your mind for a reason. And if it's not in your mind, then then you're not going to become it. And so like an example I always use is I laugh about is it, like I've never dreamed of becoming a rocket scientist. That doesn't mean that it's not possible for anybody who has that dream to become one. It's proof that it is. But envy is another very useful emotion. You know, when you look at somebody, like people I know look at me and they're envious of me, right? They forget that I was making $24,000 a year back in 2011. I thought that I had plenty of money, right? They, they don't realize that. They see who I am now and they're like, oh, she's just greedy. Of course she says what she says about money because she has a ton of it. And it's easy to say that. No, it's not. Like I still have all the same, I still had all the same fears worrying about money, even though I had millions of dollars, like it's just a mindset and, and you can be greedy no matter how much money you have or don't have. Yep, absolutely. Now, this I find is an interesting challenge for a lot of entrepreneurs. So let's say a person does start working on their own, they create a business. How do they avoid the trap of creating another job that owns them? So then the real question is, how do they then scale the business that they create? Uh, I think that actually happens naturally if you're not trying to fit yourself into the box of someone, uh, someone else. And so that means, you know, sitting and watching webinars of people who have a drop shipping business. And because you're, you're lured in by <clears throat> the promises and the marketing and the sleazy sales tactics of somebody who says, this is the easy way to wealth. And they say all the things that make you want to buy something that is not the right fit for you. Um, that, that is a trap. And so if you're doing the thing that you love, it's not going to feel like work. It's going to feel fun. It's going to feel enlivening. And, and when you're speaking your truth and doing the things that you love, embracing your nerdiness, then that is going to light you up and it's going to scale naturally. Because here's the thing, if you focus on creating lead magnets, right, you're going to get leads. Yeah. But if you focus on creating leaders, especially creating, making yourself into a leader, then you become a magnet, right? So everybody thinks about it backwards. If you, if you focus on yourself and becoming a leader, you become a magnet. So you don't have to worry about lead magnets. Well, I hear you, but I'm thinking, okay, there are people who do create a business out of something they love, but mm -hmm. then they find themselves working all the time and they haven't naturally scaled that business. Yeah, right? and I can speak to that as well because I was that person, right? I, I really enjoyed proofreading. To this day, I still enjoy reading and finding errors and stuff like that. I don't do it for money anymore. But when I first started it, I was like, oh, wait, you're supposed to do webinars and you have to do them live and, and you have to have Google Analytics and you have to ask all these questions and process all this data and analyze stuff and, and make sure you have this lead magnet set up and the sales funnel set up and 
you have to have all these things. And so people spin their wheels trying to check all the boxes of things that they're supposed to do in order to solve someone's problem instead of just solving the problem. <laughs> so you get wrapped up in things that don't matter because you're reducing people down to numbers. If you keep your focus on people and you keep your ear tuned into their needs, then you literally can't fail. There's no way you can lose at this game of life and marketing, which I think marketing is bullshit. There's no way you can lose at this value exchange if you're giving everything you have. And that doesn't mean that you give everything away for free, right? You're not going to give away your product, but ultimately your information products and your books and stuff, that's just a reduction of who you are inside. There's nothing stopping you from giving away what's in your brain for free. And if people are, if you give away everything you have, people are going to be so impressed with the genius that you are, right? And that you so freely give of who you are that they're going to want the digital version, the uploaded cloud version of you, right? Because they can't have access to you 100% of the time. You can come on live video and bare your soul and talk about exactly how to do what you do and give away all the answers. And people will be so blown away by your expertise that they're going to buy anything you sell because that's how you gain the trust is by actually trusting yourself and trusting your people enough to um, you know, keep that value, a very natural, very primal value exchange going. I like it. Uh, you can help me to understand it even more when, you, when, when you talk about lead magnets uh, versus becoming a leader. That's great. But here's what I would love to understand more clearly. So if you become what you feel is a leader, an authentic leader, how do you actually meet the people who can take advantage of what you're offering? And I know that lead magnets that are authentic and valuable can bring those people into your radar and put you on their radar. So how, what's the process there? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's always so much simpler than what most people would think. You know, they think they've got to build an audience, which means they have to start a blog and, you know, start typing stuff and doing all these tactics to drive traffic to their site. And that's just not it at all. You really just need to be honest with yourself, get to know yourself, start telling the stories, start digging for the stories that you already have, not getting clear on what stories in, you know, making it up, right? You don't need to hire somebody to help you tell stories. <laughs> it's just dumb, right? You might need to have, have, have an editor, you know, if you're sending out emails and whatnot, but you can start with your local network. Just start talking about the problems you work through. What I don't recommend is start talking about all the problems that you've already, that you've gone, that you're currently going through. They should always be problems with solutions because honestly, nobody cares about your problems. They care about solutions, right? And so the way that you can show them you have the solution is just by being open with your stories and the solutions that you found based on those stories. So like the moral of the story type thing, like nobody wants to read half a book. They want to read the rest of it to see how it ends. And so uh, you can do that with your, with your current audience and your network and you don't have to be salesy about it. I'm, I'm very vocal on my personal page about everything business and everything personal all at the same time. And you know, Facebook hasn't shut me down because I, I make zero calls to action, but I get like hundreds of PMs because people are so like blown away by what I have to say. And so you can do that in your local network. You can become guests on podcasts, and and that doesn't mean that you know everybody's going to get to become a guest on Lewis's podcast immediately, but or, or you know other you know, bigger names, people that have been around a long time, they can start with newer podcasters that maybe went been around a year or less that are looking for great stories from great guests who are willing to be authentic. And so you just start making friends. Every good thing in the world starts with a conversation. All of our lives start with a conversation. I believe the universe is just, you know, it's an exchange of energy. Everything is energy and our speaking to each other, our telling stories is giving value. And we, we just have to make that switch and realize that it's not me telling a story in hopes that you might give me money. It's, it's me helping you solve a problem by telling you the problem that I had and the solution that I found. Great. That's uh, great advice. Now, tell us how ducks, buses, and staircases can inspire lasting success. Yeah, yeah. So it's just so, so funny because like the day or two, two days before I got thrown into the mental hospital, I was at a reverse mastermind in Austin, Texas, and I was reminded of this analogy about ducks, right? Because everybody's worried about getting their ducks in a row, getting anything perfect, like lining up the ducks. Ducks don't get in rows. <laughs> they don't, right? That's, so why do we even talk about getting ducks in a row at all? My philosophy, and all these analogies are related, and the duck one is my favorite because I like ducks. They're really cute. Pick up one duck and run because what ducks do is they follow the leader. And so you make yourself the leader, right? Become that magnet and all the ducks just follow you, right? You don't have to wait for all the ducks are in a row. You can make them in a row 
by, by making a move, right? Actually moving forward. And the staircase is basically the same way. I'm pretty sure it's a Martin Luther King Jr. quote. It's based off of something he said, I believe. Don't wait for the entire staircase to appear before you take the first step. And a lot of people are wanting to start their own business, wanting to take control, start writing their own income story, take away the control of other people and take control of their own stories. But they're waiting to see what step 58 is before they even take step one. Step 58 is not going to make any sense before you do steps one through 57. And so what is keeping you from doing step one is fear uh, about step 58. And it makes no sense. Like just you're not afraid of step one. So take step one and that will prepare you for step two and so on and so forth. And then buses is basically the exact same thing. You know, stop waiting for the perfect bus i call it the ready bus to show up you're sitting on the, at the in the bus stop of life and you're gonna waste your life there unless you just get on a bus and start moving the worst case scenario is you just get off the bus and get on another one but you need to start moving because we and i was i was the president of the physics freaks in high school and i was in advanced physics and it was very hard for me i did not like science or math but i was like if i don't get an a in this it means i don't understand it like and so i need to understand all of it in order for me to have mastered this and what I've learned and what I've carried with me ever since is like, you don't get momentum unless you move, right? You don't get traction unless you take action for every action. There's a reaction. And so if you're not taking any action, nothing is going to happen. And so you've got to get on a bus and start moving. You've got to take the first step and you've got to pick up a duck and run. I love that. I love that image. Pick up the duck, quack and run. Yeah. Quack a little bit. Like <laughs> we're, all, we're all quacks. <laughs> what is your favorite book, Caitlin? Oh my gosh, I read The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, and it came out in 2009, and it is an incredible book. He helped me start digging into the past, and I was so skeptical to read it. I used to be the kind of person who was like, eh, I used to read for a living, I'm done reading books, right? I don't need any more ideas. Uh, but then I was like, wait a second, I don't read books for ideas, I read books for new perspectives, new voices. Mentorship, really, it's the cheapest form of mentorship ever, and I used to have so much resistance on paying $10 for a paperback book, or like $5 for a Kindle book, like just really dumb resistance to new ideas in my life. But Gay Hendricks' subtitle of The Big Leap is called Uncovering Your Hidden Fears to Unlock Your Full Potential. And my first reaction when I read that subtitle was like, ah, I don't have any hidden fears. But then I read the book and it pulled me in like the first 10 pages. I was like, oh my God, like I can't believe this. this is, he just pulls you in and he just sets you up for saying yes to questions that you didn't even know you could say yes to. Like, would you like to have unlimited happiness and joy and satisfaction in all areas of your life? Uh, yeah, why wouldn't I want to give myself that gift, right? And so he just pulls you in and then teaches you how to go about achieving that by showing you why you don't have it. And, and it's so important to get to know ourselves. I think that is the key to life is understanding ourselves because when we take those steps and admit, hey, I don't know everything about myself. I don't know why I'm unhappy all the time. I don't know why it sucks to get out of bed. I don't know why my business doesn't make sense or why nothing's working that I'm trying with all these tactics that everybody says are going to work and getting clear on, on why you feel that way and what you actually want to do and what's happening in your life or in your mind. It's always in your mind, right? What's happening in your mind that is preventing you from moving forward and, and, and achieving and becoming exactly who and what you want to be, do, and have. I agree with that. And you triggered another thought for me when you said it pulled you in right away. Do you know the book, Why You're Dumb, Sick, and Broke, and How to Become Smart, Healthy, and Rich? No, but I already love it because I know the answer. I know well, I love the author, too. <laughs> Randy Gage. Oh, I and love it. It's in terms of pulling you in. I defy anyone to read the first paragraph and stop reading. It's that powerful. Yeah, I'm going to, while you're done, I'm going to look it up on Amazon right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's, he's quite, it's quite a story. It's his personal journey. And, um, yeah, what is your favorite quote? Oh, man, it's a, it's a Henry David Thoreau quote, and I might butcher it slightly, but it's short enough for me to remember the gist and for people to understand it. It's your truest life is when you are in dreams awake. Your which life? Your truest life, when you're most true to yourself, is when you feel like you are in dreams, but you're actually awake, and that was my version of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's exactly how I live my life now. I'm like, is this my real life? Am I really this happy and joyful and satisfied and overflowing with just pure love and appreciation for other people? Yes, that is actually my real life, and it's funny because that's what landed me in the mental hospital. Nobody acts like this. 
And that's because I'm not acting and it freaks people out. They're like you. And, and because I use marijuana or marijuana, I don't hate that word because that was created to demonize this plant. It's cannabis sativa because I used it. It cured my migraines, cured my anxiety, made me show up more effectively, allowed me to conquer those things so I could stop using alcohol as a mask in social situations, like so many things. And like my sister, uh, who I thought was my sister anyway, you know, just continued to drive that fear in my husband while I was in the mental hospital and, and, and threw away all my cannabis and, and said that the reason that I was in the mental hospital is because I became psychotic because of my cannabis use and, and all this stuff. And it's just not, it's just not true. And so I, I reject lies. I reject ignorance. I reject things that are just people's opinions on my life. And so I live my life completely free and completely authentic to myself. And it is not a high that I'm coming down from. Like I'm not using any cannabis right now and I am high all the time on actual life and living. And I feel like if, if there's anger, if there's just discontent, if there's people that are just spending their lives being judgmental and stuff, then there's something wrong. If you don't wake up every day completely convinced that it is a miracle that you're alive and that you are, if you're not 100% excited about every second of your life, then there's something wrong because that world exists and it is, it is crazy that people think it's crazy that, that it's possible to live in that world. <laughs> Well, more and more people are choosing to live in that world and um, uh, shining the light on the rest of the world to let them see that it's possible. If you could change just one thing in the world, what would that be? That's just one. You can't change 10, just one. Yeah, I would change uh, the idea in people's minds that fear is anything but evil um, I think the biggest trick the devil ever played is convincing the world that he didn't exist. And that's because we all think he exists outside. He sits on our shoulder and he's talking to us and we see him coming and we don't like he comes to lie, steal and destroy. And that exactly, that's exactly what he does in convincing us that any form of fear, worry, anxiety, or concern, it always masquerades as things that sound good. Like I'm afraid for you. What does being afraid for someone actually do for anybody? It does nothing for you except waste your time and then force you to uproot your entire life for five days. You can go put, you know, somebody that you've not even asked a single question of in two weeks in a mental hospital. Uh, it, it causes people to think they're doing something good when they are literally just ruining someone's life and, and not even paying any attention to the log in their own eye, right? Because they're so concerned about the speck that they see in someone else's. And so if I could change that, get them people to, and that's really my mission in life is to get people to wake up to the fear that they're allowing to control their lives. Yes. Fear does dominate, uh, most people's lives or has or plays too much of a role in a lot of people's lives. How can people contact you? Oh man, just look me up on Facebook. I'm under the name Caitlin Johanna, J O H A N N A. And Caitlin is spelled C A I T L I N. So Caitlin Johanna, it means purely devoted to God. There's no coincidence there. Um, and yeah, so just look me up on Facebook. I'm actually going to be offline, uh, for about three weeks, but I have a feeling this show is going to come out, um, you know, late November or something. After no, that, so. no, no. The, do you know when this show is coming out? Nope. <laughs> it's coming out this Saturday. Oh, perfect. Well, you know, PM me. I'm not actually posting actively on Facebook, but I'm, I'm listening and, and, and watching. And so if somebody needs to get in touch with me, then they can email me or message me on Facebook. I'm just not posting actively. I need to leave my timeline exactly the way it is for okay, some so time. Spell, spell Johanna. Sure. It's J-O-H-A-N-N-A. It's literally pronounced the way you say it. Okay. Johanna. Caitlin Johanna on Facebook. Don't you also have a website? Yeah, yeah, it's under CaitlinPyle.co, and there's also BCPMediaInc.com. Slow down, slow down, because <laughs> you know it, but the people listening may of not course. know. So, so Caitlin? CaitlinPyle.co. Pyle, P-Y-L-E. Mm-hmm. It's no longer my last name, but it, it, it's my brand still, so. Dot .co, yeah. dot .co, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's Work at Home School dot com and proofreadanywhere.com are my two main uh, platforms there my online learning platforms work at home school.com and of course you can go to the work at home heroes facebook group and that's a you know i think we've got thirty five thousand members in there people who want to work at home and so we're just teaching people to fix you know what's in their minds and what's in their wallets will fix itself naturally if they focus on what's going on between their ears 
Work at Home Heroes uh, Facebook group. Wonderful. Any final thoughts? I think we got it all out. I feel so good about this conversation. I love conversation. So I appreciate the opportunity to share and to pour into your audience. And it is literally just as uplifting for me as it is for people listening. So I appreciate the opportunity so much. Thank you. And um, I want to thank you for your incredibly high energy because I'm a pretty high energy person too. And it's wonderful when I connect with another one, you, um, because high energy is contagious and it's a wonderful thing to catch. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. And thank you once again, storytellers, for spending time today with me and Caitlin Pyle. Wow. I found Caitlin so refreshing, mainly because she is so willing to show up as herself without any self-censorship. That takes courage. And it's a quality that we should all develop within ourselves if we don't already have it. Pay this forward. Let people know that they can hear this on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and at the website, changeyourstorypodcast.com. And at that website, there's a free gift that I've created just for you. Download the ebook called Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life and Business. Once again, with anyone who is on a success track and has a lot of positive energy that lights them up, they are people who are interested in books. And so you heard us discussing various books on this podcast. I'll say it again and again. Any one of these books can change your life if you read it or listen to it and are open to its message. And our sponsor, Audible, is offering you an audio download of your choice. Any book you want, choosing for more than 180,000 titles, simply go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. Grab your book, start listening to it today or this weekend, and also take advantage of an entire month of all of Audible service absolutely free. There were so many aha moments for me as I talked to and listened to Caitlin. I didn't always agree with her view on things, but that's not what counts. What counts is being open and receiving the authenticity that she's expressing and the clarity that she's expressing and her passion. And there are so many things that you can work on that you have received from this conversation, but I would emphasize this particularly. She spoke at one point about allowing herself to be bullied by people, which means simply buying in to their story about her. And I submit to you that we all do it. I'm getting much better at stopping myself when I do it, but I tend to do it sometimes. And it's It boils down to giving your power away. During the next week, really take a close look at the way you interact with others and admit if you discover that there are times or people that you give your power away to because of things that they say that make you feel less than the way you should feel. Make a decision to never give your power away again. Oh, it'll happen by default. But if you make the decision 
and you practice it and put it into effect every time it happens to you, you will get to a point where you'll start to move from being directed by others, outer-directed, to being inner-directed. And when you're inner-directed, you've got real power. To help you do that, ask the question, how can I change my story and change my life? Tune in to the next episode of Louis DiBianco's podcast. Become unstoppable as you learn to change your story, change your life.